0: The Chicago White Sox lost to the Dodgers on Wednesday night 4-1 to one, uh, after Tuesday's win against L.A., which gave the White Sox a three-game winning streak. Uh, Tony La Russa decided to screw around with the lineup on Wednesday and bat Lurie Garcia in the leadoff spot. Uh, let's just say that didn't go uh, well. Uh, Johnny Cueto held his own but was given very little support aside from Jake Berger, Uh, The offense was, unfortunately, pretty dormant. Uh, Sox go for the series win on Thursday uh, with Dylan Cease on the mound. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey Sox fans, welcome to Locked on White Sox. Thank you for making Locked on White Sox your first listen each and every day. Uh, we're free and available on all platforms. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Sox. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Locked on White Sox. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan recording this podcast just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore G-G-T-B. Hey, I really appreciate you letting me steal some of your time to talk White Sox. Locked on White Sox is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, hey, it's Dylan day. Uh, hopefully, it's a day full of strikeouts and very few walks. Uh, Jake Berger continues to be one of the few bright spots offensively. Uh, but first, if it's not broke, why fix it? Uh, Wednesday night, the White Sox lost to the Dodgers 4-1. to uh, State of the Sox right now, 26-28. and Uh, Chasing the Twins in Cleveland in the AL Central. The White Sox uh, apparently have the easiest remaining schedule in all of baseball. Uh, But as Steve Stone put it so well on the telecast on Wednesday night, it's one thing to have it, another thing to take advantage of it. Um, Very confusing uh, looking at the lineups uh, before the game on uh, Wednesday. I'm sure you were a little confused as well. Uh, What was Tony Larusa thinking? White Sox coming into the game with a three-game winning streak. Uh, During that three-game winning streak, we started to see some consistency, especially with Danny Mendick and Andrew Vaughn at the top of the lineup. Uh, Obviously, Jake Berger getting some at-bats. And that did not happen. Uh, Lurie Garcia was hitting in the leadoff spot. Danny Mendick was in the ninth spot, and Andrew Vaughn was given a day off. Uh Tony La Russa was questioned in the post game it was a very bizarre uh post game presser I'm sure you're going to be able to find some some audio some clips uh he was questioned in the post game about why he changed the lineup after a Tuesday night's win and of course the three game winning streak that the Sox were on his answer folks were was co- incoherent and I, I'm not trying to make fun I could not understand His reasoning and what he was trying to explain, he seemed confused. Um, He seemed a little taken aback and, of course, uh, a little defensive that he was asked this. He stopped and started a few times when trying to answer the question. And I don't think he really ever finished answering the question. He just kind of trailed off. It was very bizarre, uh, very troubling, actually. And there was also some video, I don't know if you saw it on social media, uh, from the Los Angeles Dodgers telecast and the announcers were talking about uh, right after Lurie Garcia struck out, which we'll get to more of uh, throughout the podcast and the Dodgers ad- announcers are questioning why Lurie Garcia was leading off with the numbers and the stats that are available to the White Sox. Uh, again, it's spot on as we were all shaking our heads as Sox fans. Um to make matters kind of worse there was an article in the tribune i don't know if you saw it by paul sullivan uh, this was wednesday uh, i read it and this was the this was the title of paul sullivan's article fire tony larussa not happening so chicago white Sox fans need to learn to just deal with it uh, i believe uh, mr sullivan wrote this article in response to uh, the Joe Madden firing, the, the uh, Joe Girardi firing, and uh, a lot of folks, a lot of Sox fans thinking, well, maybe Tony LaRusse is the next to go. Uh, obviously, I'm talk- I've am talking, i talked about it on this podcast several times. Uh, Tony LaRusse is going nowhere, especially uh, right now. I, it's just not happening. Um, so my question to Paul Sullivan is, is, why write the article? It's such an obvious thing. And, and the fact that Sox fans just have to learn to deal with it. I mean, what do you think Sox fans have been doing for most of Jerry's rule? Uh, we've, we have been trying to learn to deal with it, and it's been frustrating. I thought it was a, a pretty lazy article. I mean, I read the article. Nothing new was learned. Uh, it almost seemed like an excuse just to kind of bash uh, Sox fans that, that want some change. Um, but again, with that article coming out, it, it just, again, you know, Tony LaRusso is untouchable and it just felt like he used that opportunity to change the lineups. Um, James Feegan from the athletic wrote a little bit about it. Uh, he posted some stuff on Twitter before the game on Wednesday. Uh, he said, Tony LaRusso acknowledged Larry Garcia's slow start alluded to his struggles in cold weather and said, when he's wild and woolly, he chases pitches that are tough to center, but that he's feeling better. He's a very talented guy. Uh, Tony LaRussa went on also to say that it was a planned day of rest for Andrew Vaughn and uh, mentioned he's coming off a high effort series on turf in Tampa. Uh, Tony LaRussa said Vaughn will play first, most likely on Thursday. Uh, Dodgers are throwing a lefty, so it's all about those matchups once again. Uh, So Garcia in the leadoff spot on Wednesday. Uh, Coming into the game, his last seven games, this was his slash line, uh, 167-160-167. Vaughn on the bench, as we just mentioned. Robert was in the two spot. Uh, Jake Berger, it was nice to see him continuing to be in the lineup. He was DH. Gavin Sheets in right field. I guess it's all about the matchups once again. They want that lefty. To Sheets' credit, he did have a double in the game. Pollock in left field. Good to see him starting. Uh, And then Mendick, as we mentioned, dropped from the leadoff spot that he was thriving in the last few games down to the ninth spot, uh, which is also called Tony LaRusse's second leadoff spot. Uh, Mendick, during his last seven games, this is his slash line, Uh, 400, 423, and 440. Yeah, that's the guy you want to bury in the ninth spot. Um, So NBC Sports Chicago, during their pregame, they showed some graphics, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit later uh, in this podcast episode. I'm sure you've seen them. They showed some numbers about, this is the comparison of Lurie Garcia hitting first compared to how he hits a ninth. And it, it just troubling. I mean, they're, they're completely lopsided. Again, it's not an enormously huge sample size, but still, you've got numbers. And it just, it kind of goes to the point I was talking about last week when the White Sox and La Russa seemed to look at numbers against Manoa in Toronto about what lefties do, and they stacked the lineup with lefties, thinking that they were going to be smarter than the situation well, then how come you don't look at these numbers with how Garcia hits in the leadoff spot compared to where he hits ninth? Why don't you pay attention to those numbers? I just don't get the lack of attention or the bizarre selective attention uh, that the White Sox and Tony La Russa, uh, give. Uh, very troubling. Uh, Jake Berger, though, has stayed hot, and he's really one of the only guys hitting at this point. Uh, I'm also going to tell you more about why Lori Garcia should never A lead off again, uh, more on that in a moment. Don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? Uh, How about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? Uh, What if I told you that you can have all that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? Uh, You're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now. And you got to act fast because they are a fan favorite. Uh, forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. Plus, the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. Uh, I would replace a regular brownie with Bilt's Caramel Brownie Bar in a heartbeat. The best part, Caramel Brownie Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Uh, with Built, you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy. You can have both. And all of Bilt's bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs uh, more efficiently and provides tons of healthy benefits. With Bilt, tasty is the new healthy. Go to Bilt.com to get your box of caramel brownie bars now. Uh, Go to Bilt.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Hey, we have an important favor to ask uh, you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. Uh, This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Uh, to take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Okay, how about that White Sox offense? Um, now, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they have got pitching. Uh, their starting pitchers have a 2.58 ERA uh, coming into Wednesday night's game. That's number one in all of baseball. We kind of knew uh, Tony Gonsolin uh, was going to be a difficult uh pitcher. It was going to be a tough task for our White Sox hitters. He was very tough. He only gave up three hits, and two of them uh, were by Jake Berger. Uh, so let's talk about that first inning. Lori Garcia, the legend, uh, leading off you know, in that uh, number one spot, and he pops out to the catcher to get things going. I'll take you to the second inning. After a Yaz strikeout, uh, Berger uh, hits a slider, and uh, rips it into left field. Uh, that was uh, one of obviously the few hits that Berger had against uh, Gonsolin in the fourth. Robert gets hit by a pitch, steals second, uh, and then is left stranded. Uh, Robert though eight for nine on stolen bases this year. As a team, the Chicago White Sox are twenty-seven uh, for twenty-nine. That's best in the league in terms of only being caught. Uh, stealing twice, uh, Gonsolin around fifty pitches after the fifth inning started. Uh, that is that's good. I mean, he he was dealing. Uh, fifth inning is when the White Sox got a little something going. Uh, Jake Berger, of course, leads off uh, with a burger bomb. Uh, Sheets then with a double. So you got nobody out and Pollock up. Uh, he walks. You got first and second, nobody out. Uh, with Danny Mendick up now, he's again hitting in that ninth position, that second leadoff position. And Jason Benetti and Steve Stone were talking about some strategy at this point. Benetti asked Stone, Well, do you maybe bunt in this situation, get guys over to second and third? And Stone said, I really don't think that is a situation, uh, or at least a successful thing to do, because of how Lurie Garcia is hitting. And, and there goes some of the strategy. When you've got Larry Garcia in that leadoff spot, uh, wondering if you would have flipped those, you'd have Larry Garcia maybe being able to bunt guys over. And then Mendick, who's swinging a hot bat, could drive guys in. But uh, it is what it is. Mendick uh, hit a ground ball to shortstop. Uh, there was a force at second. So you got runners at first and third. And then the legend is up. And you're really only strongest as your weakest link. I mean, he strikes out, which is uh, not a surprise. You know, at the end of the day, really, Lori Garcia was just not set up for success. Uh, I'm going to talk about some numbers in a little bit. He he should not be in that leadoff position. I don't quite know what La Russa was trying to do. You know, if it's because he's a switch hitter, he's, he's a lefty, and it's all about those matchups, a lefty against a righty and the other way around. Um, but you, the, the pressure you're putting on a guy who doesn't succeed in a leadoff spot I, I just don't get it. It was extremely confusing, and it was talked about a lot in the postgame with Chuck, Podsednik, and Ozzy. Uh, Robert ended up popping up to end the threat in the fifth. Could have got much more, but the Sox only walked away with one run. Uh, here's some final offensive lines for the White Sox Garcia was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Uh, he struck out in the eighth, and you could hear the crowd booing. And this is the clip for the Dodgers announcers. They went, you know, kind of confused as well of like, why, why is Lurie Garcia uh, leading off? Um, so find it if you can find it. It's uh, again, it, it kind of galvanizes the point we as Sox fans were scratching our head over before the game. Uh, Yasmany Grandal was one for four uh, with two strikeouts. Uh, he had a flare over the short steps head. I, you know, Hopefully he gets going. I, I just, I don't, I don't get something must be wrong with him. Uh, no Vaughn, of course, in the lineup. Uh, hopefully uh, he can get right back into things on Thursday. Robert, uh, hitless in the series so far, he hasn't, he hasn't done much at all. Kind of quietly, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at Mendick, you're looking at Berger and Vaughn and, and Robert, and of course, Mancada. boy, Mancada's lifeless as well. Uh, Sox offensive line goes like this, one run, four hits, uh, one walk, zero for seven with runners and scoring position. So, you know, in the postgame show, Ozzy was defending Tony La Russa because, and this is how I understood it, he said, well, Danny Mendick is just a kid, and you're going to put a kid in the leadoff spot against Gonsolin, who's been so great. It's better that you put Lurie Garcia, who's a veteran in the league, up there, and Chuck and, and Scott Betsetnik seem to think much differently. Here are some of the numbers that NBC Sports Chicago showed before the game, and they showed these numbers after the game as well. This is these are the splits uh, with Lurie Garcia hitting first and then hitting ninth. So uh oh uh, on base percentage uh, hitting first, Lurie Garcia 0. 0.188. Um on base percentage hitting ninth. 364. Okay, huge difference there. Uh, Slugging uh, hitting first, 188. Slugging hitting ninth, 571. Uh, OPS hitting first, 376. OPS hitting ninth, 935. And Lurie Garcia uh, batting average hitting first, 188. Uh, Average hitting ninth, 381. Um, I mean, so those are the numbers. They're they're not even close. Again, not an enormous sample size, but enough if you're looking at numbers and the socks seem to look at numbers, it's selective. It's a, what you pay attention to is selective, I guess. Uh, I, I just I don't get it, especially after the win on Tuesday. You know, we're talking on this podcast. You know, you've been probably noticing it as a fan, talking to other, you know, Sox fans that you've been watching the game with or texting back and forth. Finally, a little bit of consistency. Look at what's – got some patterns forming here. And to just kind of shuffle it all up and just, you know, now I'm just going to try to go with a different mentality. I I just didn't get it. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, their offense, four runs, uh, six hits, three home runs. You know, if you're going to take any silver lining, any moral victory out of it, uh, for these first two games, Mookie Betts uh, was 0 for 4 on Wednesday, and he has been, he's one for eight in the series. So the Sox have been able to, to quiet Betts. And really, they, the Sox pitching has been able to quiet a very hot hitting Los Angeles Dodgers team. I mean, skunked him on Tuesday and only gave up four runs, you know, on, uh, on Wednesday night. That's not bad at all. Uh, Johnny Cueto, he was more than serviceable. Uh, Despite Wednesday's loss, the Sox have done a nice job containing L.A.'s offense. I'm going to tell you why it can continue on Thursday. Uh, More on that in a moment. So Johnny Cueto was on the mound. Uh, First inning, he got quick, you know, two quick outs. uh, And then Trey Turner bloops a single in short the center field. You just had a weird feeling in your stomach of ah, Dodgers have life. Um, it, it just, it found no man's land out there in outfield. And then Will Smith jacks a two run home run. And just like that, it's two nothing Dodgers. You're so close to getting out of the inning and a bloop and a blast uh, puts you down to nothing before you even come up to bat uh, in the second Bellinger leads off with a home run. It's now three nothing Dodgers uh, Cueto threw 41 pitches Uh, Through two innings, had three strikeouts and zero walks. Um, In the fifth, uh, he started to settle down, uh, probably throwing more pitches than he's been used to. I kind of felt that uh, from a Cueto start. Again, he hasn't had a ton of Cueto starts in a White Sox. Uh, There hasn't been a ton of uh, Cueto starts in a White Sox uniform, Uh, but still threw a lot. He was at 77 pitches after five. Cueto's final line, six innings, four hits, three earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. Uh, He gave up two home runs through 90 pitches total. His ERA, 3.23. Again, a pretty good outing from Cueto. He, you know, he just didn't get any support. Uh, Sousa comes in for the seventh, Foster in the eighth. Uh, They were lights out. And then Ruiz in the ninth gave up a Trey uh, Turner home run. And there you go, uh, a 4-1 uh, Dodgers, uh, Thursday is a day game. Dylan sees going against Tyler Anderson. Anderson is a left-handed pitcher and boy, no rest for the weary. He has been very good for the Dodgers. He is seven and zero. has not given up an earned run in his last three starts. Uh, that's 20 innings and 19 strikeouts in those 20 innings. Uh, you might be saying to yourself, well, he's going to be on the south side. You know, how, he, how is he on the road? Uh, he's very good on the road. He is 3-0 and with a 1.63 uh, ERA. Uh, Dylan Cease, his, his last start was in Tampa last weekend. Uh, he went four and two-thirds, uh, gave up a hit, uh, two runs, but zero of them were earned. Uh, this was the game he had seven walks and only five strikeouts. Uh, he was able to, you know, Walk that that line, but I, it's not how you want to live. Uh, giving up seven walks. Uh, hopefully, uh, he can calm down, limit the pitches, get ahead of guys, and uh, and limit that walk total. Uh, in the in this season, 2022, Dylan Cease is four and two with a 3.39 ERA. Uh, he hasn't given up an earned run in his last two starts, and this will be Dylan's first time uh, seeing the Dodgers. Folks, thank you so much for making this podcast part of your daily routine. You can find the Locked On White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere uh, you find your podcasts. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Sox. And you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore G-G-T-B. Thanks for making Locked On White Sox your first listen. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan uh, just call him Sully. Brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, coming up on the next episode, I'll recap uh, Game Three, the series finale of this Dodgers series. Hopefully, talking about a White Sox winner and, uh, and an outstanding Dylan C's performance. Hey, I appreciate you making time for the Lockdown White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Morowski. Until next time, go socks.